uh, let's, let's pray and spend some time in the Word. Father, we give you thanks for uh, what you're just doing in, in all of our lives. I thank you that there's, there's this ongoing building story and reality of your love in each of our lives. And I just pray this morning you give us eyes to see that and give us the ears to hear that, what you're doing, what you're building, what you're growing, what you're expanding of your kingdom in us and through us and around us. I just pray for a release of faith in the name of Jesus for us to actually be able to connect with what you're doing, God, which is often way bigger than we could imagine or even think. And we ask it for your glory, Lord Jesus, in our church, in our lives and in our town. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you weren't here last Sunday, Di Hocking from the Yarra Valley Vineyard in Victoria was here sharing with us. And Di's the senior associate pastor at the Vineyard Church down there at um, Lilydale in, in uh, Victoria. And Di brought this great word and of, of teaching and encouragement to us as a local church and as individuals. And if you haven't heard it, I, I really want to sort of like mm, mm, encourage you <laughs> Please get on SoundCloud, get on the iTunes link, Vineyard Pine Rivers, and have a listen because it was, there were was some things in there that Di shared with us that were just straight from God's heart for us and were incredibly encouraging to us. And I want to um, um, really, if you could just take half an hour to listen to that when you're on the train or you're... Um, on your way from, you know, you've got your lunch break or whatever this week, get a hold of it and get onto it because there's some great things in there that Di was teaching. And as a result of that, <clears throat> of what she was teaching and the timing of her teaching, I'm just going to take a little bit of a left-hand turn from where we have been teaching and working in regards to equipping everyone in terms of the gifts of the Spirit. And so what we're going to do today is we're just going to take a little bit of a, a turn and I'm just going to put the um, teaching on the work of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit on hold just for a couple of weeks and then we'll push the play button on that one again soon. But there's just a few weeks here. I want to just track into this little, um, what I think is a little nudge from the Holy Spirit. And um, so if we've got ears and eyes to see and hear, we'll, we'll, be, we'll be right. We'll get there. But last weekend, Di, her message was based around Luke 19, which is a great teaching tool uh, that Jesus tells the story of how a, um, a man, a nobleman went away to a far country and, and um, uh, gave away his resources and then went away and became a king and then came back to see what the people had done with the resources that he had given them. And um, it, was, it was obviously, it's a great parable and teaching tool that Jesus used to encourage his followers in the area of the stewardship of their life. Not just, not just the, um, you know, the, the money that's in, that goes through their hands in their life, but their steward their whole life. And um, <clears throat> Dai's teaching was all about kingdom stewardship. And if we would actually risk exchanging what God has placed of his kingdom in our hands and in our lives, even now, the, the things that we think are perhaps underdeveloped or insignificant or not big enough or great enough, but if we were just 
risk exchanging what Jesus has already placed in our life and for the sake of his kingdom, see it put to work and see an increase and an expansion of the work of the kingdom through that exchange, through that risk of putting to work what God's already given us. Um, now, this message from Di has, um, has hit us because at, at an interesting time because she was talking to not just individuals, but she was talking to us. And if you had an ear to hear that, she was saying, and often she was referring to, hey, Vineyard Pine Rivers, you need to understand what God's already placed in your hands and you need to be busy about investing and exchanging that grace that he's given this place and giving that away for the sake of the kingdom. And I just thought that was really awesome. Now, one of the areas that, um, of our local church, Vineyard Pine Rivers, where we have seen God build his kingdom um, is through the area of mercy. You see, many years ago, we risked loving and caring for a person, caring for this one particular lady as a church. And as a result of caring for this one particular lady, our whole, now it's developed over 15 years to now serve, serving and touching 8,000 people a year. Like 8,000 people a year are experiencing the unconditional mercy of God with provision and food and meals and community and care and prayer and encouragement in their daily walk and an opportunity to come out of isolation. Now, just if you just think about that for a minute, we had to risk loving one and put the little that we had to go to work to now we're risking putting to work the resources for 8,000 on an annual basis. So you can see the expansive nature of what God has done through this place. And when I say this place, I'm saying through you and through me. It's, a, it's quite an incredible story. And there is just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of stories of lives that have had an encounter with the mercy of God. And Jesus has become well known to many people through all of this. People have experienced his kindness. And one of the things that um, um, through all of this journey of the last 15 years in that particular area, we've had to keep lining up to risk what we currently have to put it to work so that God can actually send more and send more to be able to care for the growing needs base of our region. You see, the, the ministry of Jesus through the local church, it's our calling, it's our high calling in God to pastor and care for the, for the needs of our, our town, our region. Jesus is inviting us into an incredible work. Now, it requires risk. And die hocking last week, um, Thea, if you could shoot to the next slide for me. Di Hockey said this little phrase last week, and when she said this phrase, it was just like a, like a, like a, I don't know, like a bolt of love or lightning. I'm not sure. It might have been both. Just like hit me right in the chest from God when she said, "Vineyard Pine Rivers, don't, don't play it safe, Vineyard Pine Rivers." I don't know if you may have heard that or may not, but if you go back and listen to the recording, you'll hear it. But as she said this to me, it said it to us, it hit me right in the chest, right in the heart, because there's so many reasons why we could and should 
play it safe with where we are rather than risk the greater glory of Jesus at work through what we've already been given. I believe that we've been good stewards in that area of mercy. Also the area of healing. I think, I think we've learnt to risk for, for healing, for kingdom healing for people. We've seen many people healed from everything, from arthritis to cancer to vision restored to um, muscular pains, uh, you know, leaving people's bodies. We have seen everything from the dramatic to the sim- smallest of headaches. But we've risked every time we get together the healing ministry of Jesus and we've risked putting it to work. And so now we find ourselves, when we're confronted with physical issues that need the kingdom of God, when, well, I think my observation of who we are as a people is when we're not as intimidated by the sicknesses that confront us anymore. Once upon a time, we would be a little like, "Mm, what do we do with this? Now there's a confidence in God that has grown over the years through this church and the culture of the kingdom in the people through this church, that it doesn't matter how big or how small the healing issue is that needs to be addressed, we have stewarded well and risked risked stepping into that space and seeing Jesus and his kingdom come. And it's many of you sitting here have got some, some of those stories because you're the recipients of that healing when people risked for the sake of Jesus in your situation and circumstance. We've seen that in physical healing, emotional healing, mental health issues healed, relationships healed. We've even seen people in their social and um, uh, their social settings and in their vocational settings restored and healed. Nothing's too big for our Jesus. And where are people now who are willing to risk in the area of healing? We risk well in mercy. We risk well in healing. I think we risk well in worship. That's why every time we get together, the worship experience will be different in this place. Because we are willing to risk that God is gracing a a myriad of people and leaders in this place to facilitate songs of worship and love and honour to our God. And so that's why you will have different nuanced experiences of God in this, because we're willing to risk it. And you're not going to get the cookie cutter. You're not going to get the same, same, same every time you come and worship God here. You're going to get what's on God's heart for that morning with the people who God has graced to lead and facilitate in that moment. And I think that's a wonderful thing. It's a very powerful thing. It's an affirming thing. But it's worship. And we have risked worship. We've got many wonderful servants of worship in the, over the years that continue to mature through this place and grow and go on through this place. And I believe that we have stewarded well in those three areas of mercy, of healing, of worship, I also believe we've stewarded well a ministry to children. Over many, many years, Jesus has asked us to love the children like he does. And we've spent time, energy, and resource risking that. And, you know, it's so wonderful to see many people signing up every year to go, I 
I, I don't really know what I'm doing, but this little bit that I have, I will bring to this for the sake of Jesus touching and building his kingdom in the children's lives. And just even in the last eight, uh, four weeks, eight children have personally given their lives to Jesus Christ and entered into the kingdom of God and come out from underneath the rule and reign of darkness. Just in the last four weeks. Because, because the little that we have, or we think it's little because we don't understand the power of the investment of the kingdom of God that God has laid upon our lives. We think it's a little that we put to work. Not, not as far as God's concerned. It's, it's his kingdom that's at work. And so, but we've put it to work and lives are encountering Jesus. Last Sunday, um, Nicole was sharing with me some feedback from one of the teachers. Last Sunday when they did their activation time, what they do is they all find a piece of carpet and they lie down and they ask the Holy Spirit to come and they engage with the Holy Spirit. And each child is equipped and trained to, and learn to how to hear God and then to feed back what God is saying. And in the, in the process of that, this one child who'd never been here before to the vineyard was visiting here at the vineyard, lay down in that space in that time and had a visitation of the Holy Spirit and for the very first time in their life engaged with Jesus Christ and they asked Jesus to be their king. And as a result of that, their life is now forever blessed in God, both now and into the age to come. How awesome is that? Because some, some faithful stewards with what the bit that we've given risked putting it to work and God backed the act. God backed the risk. And I just love those words from Die Hawking. I think that's a word from the Lord for us. I think that's a word from the Lord for us. Don't play it safe, Pine Rivers Vineyard. Don't play it safe. I know that for my, me and my life and my circumstances, the older I'm getting, the, the more and more I'm having to fight off the needs and the wants to be safe and secure the older I get. So, or, or even settle in things or go, that's enough, God. That'll be, that'll be fine, just there. I don't need to know anymore. But he, he has other plans. He has other plans. So this morning, I want to just begin to track down a little pathway that I think the Holy Spirit opened up for us when Di said, don't play it safe, Pine Rivers. And I believe this is an area in terms of our stewardship of the kingdom that God does want to just press on right now. And that is with regard to the resources he's blessed our life with. The, the financial resources he's blessed our life with. But before we go there, I just want to stop and give thanks to God for the 20-something years of faithfulness through the various board members who've served this church and administered the finances of this place for over 20 years of life together. I just want to stop and say thank you, God, for each and every one of them. I also want to say thank you, God, for their willingness to serve the whole church family through a life of prayer and diligent service, of allowing their lives to carry that concern before God on our behalf. And I just want to say thank you, God. Thank you, God. Um, so let's start here. Before we get too much into the, the, the money thing, uh, if you could go to the next slide for me, um, Thea, that would be great. Um, <clears throat> last Sunday, Di used a quote from Derek Morphew. Now, Derek Morphew is a, a, a vineyard theologian and a scholar and an author and 
He's actually heading up an inst- uh, a, a global vineyard institute that is uh, on its way here to Australia as well so people can study the things of the kingdom of God and get equipped in their, their daily discipleship as well as those who'd like to go on to higher education opportunities. But Derek, uh, Di used this quote of Derek's, and it's a great one. It's not possible to see the world, creation, mankind, and life through the eyes of the kingdom and remain petty or small-minded. Let's let that land for a second. It's not possible, once you've encountered the kingdom, to remain small-minded or petty. But when a man's or a woman's mind is shaped by the kingdom, they become great, a great visionary and and that should be and expansive thinkers, or an exp- and an expansive thinker. Now, if we were all just to take a moment and consider our own walk with Jesus, I'm confident that for all of us in this room that have a relationship with Jesus since coming into His kingdom through repentance and faith in Him, your world has been constantly reshaped according to His love, His power, His forgiveness. His dynamic rule and reign. He's been constantly shaping us with his capacity, his vision, his way of thinking, his actions of loving, his generosity, his kindness, and on and on we can go. But he has constantly been meeting with us as individuals and also as a church. God has been among us at work. And we now sit here and can face any circumstance in life through the kingdom of this Jesus who has revealed himself to us. I thought it was wonderful this morning when Simone led worship and she just stopped in that one song and there was something of the Spirit there at work where she said, let's just re-sing that one again and let's, let's give to God all those circumstances and situations and things that are pressing heavy on our heart. And she invited people into this expansive, visionary place of the kingdom of God to exchange your stuff for his rule and reign. And there was some business going on in that room, in the room while that was happening on. I've had some expansive experiences since meeting Jesus. I've had loads of them. I remember the first time I prayed for a healing for someone uh, from, from an arthritic finger that Jesus healed to now praying for people who have cancer or have had cancer and healed to seeing people on their deathbed being told by the doctors, gather the family because this family member is about to pass and go and I step into that space and lay my hands on their chest and ask for the kingdom of God to come, the expansive visionary rule and reign of Jesus to have its way in that situation and their lungs come alive again and they're breathing today. That's an expansive visionary experience of the kingdom. Jesus wants to do this through us and with us in all of our situations. And so I've had experiences, expansive Experiences of seeing people who have been caught in poverty come into greater economic freedoms. I've seen expansive experiences of the kingdom, of seeing marriages that have been headed to destruction completely restored in the goodness of Christ because of his expansive, visionary rule and reign. 
I mentioned the eight children over the last four weeks who've come into the kingdom of God. I've seen many expansive experiences. I've seen people equipped and hear the voice of God for the very first time in their life. It's like a light bulb goes on for them. It's like, bam, I actually heard God. Or when they prayed for someone for, you know, risking that God might bring his kingdom to them, the kingdom did come and they were just lit up like a kid at Christmas time. And they're forever changed. You can't go back once you've had that encounter. I mean, you can try. You can try and run from it, but the reality is that experience has been formed in you now because you partnered with God in it. We've had an expansive ministry experience of the kingdom, visionary experience of the kingdom here at Vineyard Pine Rivers as one church that's planted four other churches out of here. The kingdom is constantly expanding out of here, and we send out some, some of our best to Melbourne to pick up the responsibility of churches in Victoria. We're expanding. We're constantly giving away. We're constantly risking. We're constantly investing the bit that we have for the sake that God would do more. I, we, if you've been here long enough, you may have been a part of this journey, but the expansive experience of, for those of us here, you see, we're an independent church. We don't have the backing of a big organisation. We don't have the backing financially and the security of a big vehicle behind us. We're just a local church. What comes in goes out. We don't have anything else to lean on except Jesus. And so we've we've seen an expansive reality of in terms of kingdom investment and money in this place. I remember here six years ago, we had nothing in the bank. And then within the space of 12 months, $175,000 in the bank to be able to put a deposit down on this building that at that time was $1.2 million. And that by the grace of God, banks and other lenders came to the party to help us to make the purchase and now that 1.2 million dollar building this thing was valued four years ago at 1.5 million and I've got a hunch that it's probably quite a bit more than that now expansive kingdom visionary work of Jesus you see sometimes we just think we're sitting in a chair or we're just coming to do our thing no, 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 no. You, you, if that's it, then we've lost our way. Our way is the fact that the kingdom is constantly at work, risking, growing, investing, and expanding constantly. And today, we're just going to um, pick up on this whole is- issue of, of, uh, of finances a little bit. But let's put this, let's put ourselves in context. Do you want to go to that next slide for me, Thea? Let's put ourselves in context. (coughs) Why? Why on earth would six years ago God say to a group of people who had no money in the bank, I want you to buy a $1.2 million building and then release the resource for that to happen? Here, in the oldest, deadest part of our region. In the oldest part of our region. Not where the emerging money and all the resources are. Why would he put us here? Why would he tell us to buy a building in, an, in the old in industrial area of, of Pine Rivers. Why would he do that? He must have had something in mind about needing a people here. Now, at that time, I, well, great. <laughs> here we are. It's awesome. But it was a bit hard to see beyond the fact that here we are in this building as a, the, for the Lord to use it as a vehicle for his kingdom expansion. But if have you, have you noticed the local news in the last 24, 48 hours, what's going on around here? 
in the local press on the 6.30 news? Have you, have you been seeing what's being talked about? Well, the fact is that just literally over the river here, probably maybe three kilometres from our door to the, to the paper mill, the Petri, wouldn't even be three kilometres. So maybe, I don't know, 20-minute walk, if that. If that the, peop, the paper mill, in, in three to four years' time, that will be a university campus with, I think it can hold up to 20,000 students that are all going to be moving into this area, living in this area, looking for accommodation in this area, studying in this area, eating in this area, doing life in this area. 20,000 young people. I think maybe God was up to something when he said, I want you guys here because he knew what was coming. He knew what was coming. I mean, how exciting is that? Blow your doors off, I tell you. Will we, though, will we, Will we, though, allow Jesus to bring us into a new expanded vision of his kingdom for the thousands of young people that are going to be studying within 3,000 metres of this house of worship, of this place of the people of Jesus? Are we going to allow Jesus to expand our capacities to think about maybe I've got a spare room in my house that I could lease to one of those young people? and be an influence in their life. Or maybe, oh, yes, Lord, Vineyard Pine Rivers, they need the resources of a full-time university pastor that's going to be working on that campus and sharing the good news of the gospel, and we're going to back their act all the way. I mean, how expansive, how expansive, how, how big will we allow ourselves to follow Jesus into what he's doing and started six years ago when he said, hey, buy this shed. Now, that's only one thing. Even closer than the university, even closer than the universe, literally at the end of the street. I mean, that's what, maybe 200 metres? 200 metres. If you, if you take a look, there is a massive housing development that is coming to the, to the end of our street. Literally, thousands of people, families, singles, All sorts of people are going to be moving in at the end of this street. Will we allow Jesus to bring us into a new expansive vision of his kingdom for all of the families, all of the children, all of the youth who are literally at the end of our street? This is why I think that word from die was a word from the Lord. Because the Lord is saying, don't play it safe. His kingdom is big and he's bringing a lot of people to our doorstep for us to love in his name. One way that together we can see such kingdom effect and power and love flowing with greater and greater effect is that we as a local church and we as individuals within this local church allow Jesus to show us how to use our money. It's right and proper that we put this in context and not just say because God said you should. It's because God's kingdom is at work and he's on mission. The big part to remember as we walk this through and some of this material is that we can only ever come into an expanded vision of the growing and advancing kingdom of God, particularly in the area of finance, is through a dynamic personal revelation of Jesus. 
from him to you. There's no other way. Otherwise, it's just all law and legalism. It's got to come out of that personal revelation encounter. And so please know that's how I'm praying, that you will have a personal revelation experience. Um, can, uh, oh, we're already there. Um, so if you turn on the TV, if you open the newspaper, if you drive down the street, if you open your, your news on your laptop, there is so much advice all aimed at us constantly, 24 hours a day, about what to do with your money. Financial advice is coming at us left, right and centre. So much opinion is being given to us. Well, you need this much for retirement and if you don't have that much, then your life's not safe or you need this much for your well-being and it's going to cost this much to raise your children and in fact, you need this insurance cover or you need that right health insurance cover. In fact, leave that superannuation company come over to this superannuation company there's a right way to invest your money in shares and homes and business ventures and that's with us and not with them and we are constantly being hammered 24 hours a day about money why because it's our currency that's how we do relationships in our world is via money did you know that the bible the Bible itself has 2,300 references to money and finance. The Bible itself has 2,350 references on money and finance. That's a lot. It's more than Jesus spoke about love and forgiveness. Why? Because he knew in his context, and the whole Bible knows, Old Testament knew that the story of people is constantly wanting to be hooked on and gathered around money. And God is wanting to set people free from the power of money to live in his kingdom where he looks after his children. Now, for most of us, the issue of money does fill a lot of our thinking and a lot of our mulling over of our, in our daily experiences. For most of us, we've inherited our tools of handling money from either family, from either places where we've worked, or maybe a friend who showed us how to use money. For many, money, the way we handle money has been shaped by trauma because it's been a bad experience. And, and so trauma and fear actually shapes the way and influences the way we use the money we've been given. For some of us, there's a great sense of vision. For others, when it comes to money, it becomes an issue of fear. But for most of us, including us Christians, we perhaps don't even look at the Bible as our authority and the source and the toolkit for how to action and use the resources that God has given to our life for his greater glory and for our joy and for the salvation of the people around us. Maybe it's time that we actually again listen to the Bible. Thea, can you jump onto the next slide for me? Thanks. <clears throat> let's, let's just listen to King David. Great psalm. I'm going to read it out of three different versions. The NIV says it like this. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and those who live in it. The Living Bible translates it like this. The earth belongs to God. 
Exclamation mark. (laughs) Everything in the world is his. The message says it like this. God claims the earth and everything in it. God claims the world and all who live in it. The, the thing that David's getting at here in this psalm is the issue of ownership. Who owns what? Well, David is making the biblical claim as the king that God is the king and it's all his. Everything is God's. As much as we pretend like we want to think it's ours, it's his. It's all his. That's a pretty big picture. But when that big picture finds home in our heart with a personal encounter with Jesus, our lives change. We get transformed. I remember that moment that I gave my life to Jesus. And in that moment, there was an exchange. And the exchange went like this. He said to me, I'll give you my life in exchange that you would give me yours. And so I said, yes, Lord, I'll give you my life. And so my favourite Bible verse from that moment on became Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Jesus Christ and I no longer live, but Jesus Christ lives in me. And the life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me. See, I really dig it and I love it when I watch people get baptised and when they make their public confession of Jesus as their Lord. It's just such a powerful, powerful statement because in that moment we're telling the world, I'm dying, I'm dying, and in fact now I'm dead. And I'm rising up from the waters of my baptism a new creature in God, filled with his spirit and the hope of his kingdom alive in me and through me and I start here at this point with regards to the conversation about finance because there's two major things we need to get sorted before we can even dream about engaging with the expansive visionary kingdom picture that God wants to give to us the first is this know this you've got to settle this God owns everything God owns it all God owns it all, including you, including me. He owns it all. And secondly, as a follower of Jesus, as Lord and King, is to say that I am no longer my own. And in effect, I've given myself away to God so that God could give me a whole new life, a whole new way to live. That's what it means to be when Jesus said, you must be born again of the Spirit so that he would give me a whole brand new way of living life and so that in the person of Jesus now living in me and through me by his presence and power, the Holy Spirit gives me a new way of doing life. So if we can settle those things up front, God owns it all. The Bible tells us God owns it all and that to Be a follower of Jesus means that he's the Lord, he's the king, and I now am alive because he lives in me. Now, this is a way of life. Can we jump, uh, or actually, can we jump to the next one? C.S. Lewis said it like this out of his um, 
classic book work, uh, Mere Christianity. C.S. Lewis says this. He says, Every faculty you have, your power to think, or moving, your limbs from moment to moment, is given you by God. If you devoted every moment of your whole life exclusively for his service, you couldn't give him anything that was not, in a sense, already his own. That's how C.S. Lewis said it. I think that's what he's reflecting well there, what King David's saying in Psalm 24. But can we go on to that next slide? Thanks, um, Thea, the way of life. <clears throat> this, what, what we're talking about here, it's really important. We're talking about a way of living, a way of relationship. We're not talking about a law. We're not talking about a measure. We're not talking about a, a hoop that you have to jump through. We're not talking about a hurdle you have to get over, although you might have to get over some of your own thinking to be able to enter into the way of the kingdom and the way the kingdom operates. But once you lay that stuff down, this is a way of living, not a series of rules and regulations. Someone says to, someone said to me about tithing, you know, the, the whole history of the 10% of giving. And, um, and, and, and uh, it, it was born out of the exchange that Abraham had with Melchizedek, a king, a priestly king in the earth at the time. And this was way before, way, way, way before the Mosaic law was even instituted at Mount Sinai with the people of God after they'd come out of Egypt. It's way before that. This was just out of a conversation of thanksgiving that Abraham had towards, Mel, towards God to say thank you for the work of Melchizedek in my life. And so he, he, he took, the, the scripture says, he took 10% of everything that he'd gained through his, through his expansive activities and he gave it to uh, Melchizedek as a, thanks, as a sign to God of thank, thankfulness and generosity for the work that God had done in his life. And someone, we were talking about that a couple of weeks ago with someone, and I said, you know what? That's what lawless, lawless generosity looks like. What does it look like? Well, it looks like about 10% to me. <laughs> lawless generosity. Not, later on, later on that got instituted as law and legalism as the way of the king, as for the Old Testament people, for the people of Israel, and there's a whole series of things around that. But originally, it was lawless generosity. That's what it looked like. Lawless generosity. 10% of what, it, what God had brought into this man's life. He just poured it straight back towards God in thanksgiving. It's a way of life. Kingdom stewardship is not, not a particular activity. It's not about serving of a, on a committee. It's not about making a pledge. It's not about any of that stuff. It's a way of life to follow where Jesus is expanding his kingdom in your life with what he's already placed in your life. Matthew 6.33, Jesus says, Seek first his kingdom and righteousness, and all these things will be added you as well. Kingdom way of life, it's a way of life, this, this um, financial generosity towards God. It's an opportunity for us to trust our Father to meet our needs because he already knows what we need. Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Matthew 6.26. It's an experience and an adventure of a relationship and a partnership that does include obedience and accountability with God in the way that we enact and release the resources that he's already given to us. 
He, a man of noble birth, i.e. Jesus talking about himself, was made king, however, and he returned home. And then he sent for his servants to whom he had given his resources in order to find out, what have you gained with what I gave you? Luke 19.15. This way of life, it's a way of employing the resources as God intends so that the earth would be glad. And that the, that the sorrow that we see in so many people's lives would be lifted off and that the chains would come down and that demonic powers would be broken. How? Through the way we use the resources that God has given us. We need a refreshing vision of that. It's an opportunity for fearless living. Fearless living about our future. Now that... The demonic and everyone on TV wants to tell us we need to sure up our future. Well, I'm sorry, but you, su- you know, I've come to the conclusion that my superannuation is not my security. <laughs> I've just come to that position. In fact, my um, weekly pay, I've come to the conclusion that's not my security because it's not always weekly. My... Um, Health is not based on whether or not I have good health insurance. I've come to the conclusion that all of these things that the world wants to tell us are super, super, super important to the point where we fear, all of these things actually are in the heart of God to care for us with his kingdom, with the generosity of his rule and reign that he's provided for to us through his son Jesus. What we need to understand is our security is Jesus. He's our future. He's our kingdom. And we're living under his generous rule and reign. And that means we can live fearlessly, fearlessly about what's to come. We have no need to fear. This morning, I just wanted to paint a very broad picture. Hopefully I've done that, to put our story, your story, in context with what God is doing both here with you and me, through us, not just for our well-being and joy, but for the fact that his kingdom is on the move and there's going to be thousands of young adults moving in down the street, three, three, not even 3K from here, and all of these families are going to be moving into the end of our street. And Jesus wants to know, will we let him impart to us the expansive vision of his kingdom and not be small-minded or petty. But will we risk the way of the kingdom of God for his greater glory, for our joy, and for the salvation of anyone we come near? Will we risk it? And we'll look at some of the tools of what risking looks like with regards to our finances and so forth over the next little while. But next week, so we're going to put the pause button there. So this week we've got to figure out, God owns everything. Is that really true in my life? Some of us are going to have to go home and do some homework on that. God owns everything. And B, being a follower of Jesus as Lord means, actually, I've entered into the expanded reality of the vision of the kingdom of God through Jesus Christ when I said, please be my Lord and Saviour. And I was born again and I was baptised in front of people to tell everyone and sundry 
that that is true now. And I now live under another king and not the kingdom of this world. There's the homework. Let's put pause on that conversation. Next weekend, John and Nay are going to be here and it's going to be awesome to have them here. And I would just come along next weekend and, I don't know, let's do something. This just came to me. This might just be Kirk just thinking, you know, through stuff. But let's do something really like to push the button on this issue, this conversation. Let's just say, Lord Jesus, this week, is there something in terms of my finances that you would like me to bring next weekend specifically to love on John and Naomi and to bless them with? Over and above everything that you've asked me already to do as a faithful steward in your, lo- in my, in your local church. Just have a think, have a conversation. I'm not telling you what the answer is to that. You have to have the conversation to get the answer to that. Because he loves you, you will hear his voice, and he will tell you what to do. And for some of you, it will be like, here, I want you to do this. Give him that. And others, it will be a case of, I, you're quite, I'm quite okay for you not to give them anything. Have the conversation. Risk the conversation. That's this week's homework. All right? Homework. That's a, Sorry. That's this week's adventure with Jesus. Let's get rid of the homework word. That's a bad word. <laughs> That's a bad word. I was never good at homework. <laughs> I was never good at homework. Hey, let's pray and um, just invite Jesus to underline some of those things that he's been having uh, in terms of conversation with us this morning as we've been listening to this. Father, I thank you for what you're doing as your kingdom's breaking in upon all of our lives in the person of Jesus, I thank you that you're helping us to see and hear what it is that is on your heart that you've placed into our life. Thank you that you're inviting us, Lord Jesus, to lay down our lives afresh and to rise up and live for God. You're doing such a massive thing in our region, Lord, and even like literally within a three-kilometre radius of this place, there's going to be so many people on their way. Lord, in advance, I just want to say, Lord, we, you know, we're posturing ourselves to be risking the bit that you've given us for the sake of every single one of them coming into this town, that they might know you, Jesus, that they might know you. And that we might have just an absolute blast of a time reaching towards them and ministering your love to them. All the families that will come, the children that will come, the university lecturers that will come. Oh, Lord, this is like, this is going to be such an adventure. And thank you that you told us six years ago, even when we didn't see it, hey, buy that shed. We couldn't figure out why, but it's starting to come clear and we say thank you. Thank you. Holy Spirit, bless everyone in this room right now with that conversation this week. Bless them each one. Bless them each one. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
This will be cool. I can't wait to see what happens there. Uh, all right. <clears throat> There's a couple of people in the room that need some healing. The team this morning that got in the prayer room. They.